0: find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you gotta do is head on over to u-turnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest.
1: Often the biggest hurdle is to get past a trained habit of judging ourselves for our experience. Where we say, this this shouldn't be here. Uh, I'm not okay that this is here, this is wrong. If you're having an experience, it's sacred. It doesn't matter what it is, and it's it's it needs to be honored and paid attention to because it's an opportunity for self-discovery and self-knowledge. And so, it, let's say going back to our example, so the boyfriend goes, "Yes, I can hold. Particularly if you're not going to just go off on me, I'll hold." And then you know there can be there can be healing now. You know, you might then go back to the boyfriend and say, you know, I do have a request that when we go out to dinner, if, if you're going to be really late, that you call me. You don't just show up late. But still, what the work was about was the part that got disturbed in an excessive way by a particular behavior or circumstance. Then you know that your peace is disturbed and there's an opportunity for healing.
0: Hi, everybody. It's Ash here, and I have such a treat for you this week. It's Gavin Fry. Uh, He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He also co-created some of the curriculum in my master's program in spiritual psychology at University of Santa Monica, and he is a mentor to so many people who are looking to be fully embodied in their authentic self to really go deeper into who they are and create a life that reflects that. Uh, Gavin, we are going to be talking about embracing our authentic self and some tools. Thank you so much for being here and for sending such good content my way.
1: Oh, good. My pleasure. And although it sounds really highfalutin, it really is quite an ordinary, natural process.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, talk to me about just before we get into all of this conversation about how to unlock and embrace who you truly are. What got you to doing this work? What was your personal commitment to it?
1: Yeah, thank you. Well, like most people, I've never met, I haven't met anybody that hasn't gone through their own travails and challenges in life. My particular signature was, I grew up in Los Angeles. I was the youngest of three, but in my in my teens, my older brother started a life of crime and became a murderer, became a, he was the head in the California prisons of the Aryan Brotherhood, the white supremacist group. And he, he killed a lot of people And my sister, who was older than me as well, she was a heroin addict for 15 years. So when my teens, it's like all of that happened, which was very traumatic. My parents were decimated and, you know, they were kind of lost years for me. I knew how to put on a good face. I knew how to pretend I was fine, but I, I wasn't fine. And I'm really glad it ended, but it did catapult me towards psychology initially in college And then in 25, then towards spirituality and starting to go deeper inside myself and connecting more consciously with divine energies, which thank God they're there. They're in there. Uh They're inside everybody. Thank God they started to flood into me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm also so curious, like where in that experience of, you know, your brother being a part of a movement like that and. So much pain, like, what do you think happens with people? Do we disconnect in the middle of it? Like, I know that that was a traumatic experience in the beginning of your journey into psychology. But what do you think happens to us as human beings, when we have those sorts of traumatic moments in our upbringing, and in our families?
1: are you mean like the traumatic how it was for me or are you speaking of how it was for my brother
0: i would say both like i mean the way your brother is experiencing his life is going to affect how you're you know there's going to be an experience you're having as well of it like um i volunteered a lot for camp ronald mcdonald for good times uh little kids who have cancer Right. And it's the only camp, summer camp in the world for kids who have cancer, but they also allow the siblings to come because they argue that the siblings pretty much feel like they had cancer by right. the time it rips their families apart. So right. Right. I'm so curious being a part of that kind of vortex, like how, what do you think happens to so many people, including yourself that creates that pain, that trauma or psychological blocks in our upbringing because everybody has something whether it's the drug addict yeah. sibling or um, the kid that didn't want to go to school and dropped out um, and the parents are just totally ripped apart trying to fix it or um, mm-hmm. the eating disorder or the, the odd family member who molested them. I mean everybody has something and I'm curious what do you think happens inside of us when we experience these traumas around us and we relate to them?
1: Yes. Well. it seems to me and you're at the university of santa monica they're the first ones that introduced me to a context or a paradigm that there's purpose to all of this in other words we each have a curriculum in life for learning and healing and coming into who we are and i also love joseph campbell carl jung they talk about the hero's journey it's like we're born and we have all this innocence we have all this joy we can be a little child and we can fall down and cry or get hurt and cry, and we go on. We're present in the moment. We have it, but then typically we lose it. And each of us in our own particular way, my brother in the extremity of what happened for him, I was in the wake of my brother and sister, so my curriculum went towards just shutting down and pretending I was fine. It wasn't any extreme behavior. But I think the nature of finding our way back seems to be fueled in a rich way, by a recognition that underneath it all, all along, when we were born and even through the difficult times, we've had a an authentic self, you could call it a soul, call it a higher self, that has loving, has wisdom, and has compassion. That is our core. I mean, my brother, 17 years after everything he went through and all the people he murdered, he had a spiritual conversion and he ended up being in his church an elder and working with the youth in powerful ways. So wow, what what a fierce trajectory of his life, but I've had mine, you've had yours. That seems to be the nature of cultivating a connection with the authentic self is realizing, well, what's my unique constellation of personality, who I am, how I show up, and what's the nature of my journey, but it's purposeful. We come on this planet as difficult as this planet is to find out who we are and to be ourselves. And it's it's not easy because someone else can't tell us how to do it because it's ours. It's mm. it's ours, it's a discovery process. But there is an orientation that can help and there are tools that can help us start to get a hold of it where we go, whoa, I'm getting a hold of something. like. I was devastated in my teen years, and I found my way to junior college. I didn't know what to do. But there was a man named Michael Gardner, a professor in psychology. And when he was talking the first time, it was as if he, he was – I discovered fire. I went, wow, psychology. And all of a sudden, the path started blazing, and it was psychology. And it wasn't there before he started talking. Of course it was inside of me, but it wasn't activated And then it got activated. Hmm. And then a few years after that, after I graduated, I was still, you know, the whole picture hadn't came in. Then I started doing some spiritual work and then spiritual energy started coming in consciously and I went, whoa, wow, I have a purpose. Hmm. I have gifts. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's astonishing.
0: Amazing. And another thought that I have just having been at USM is that I think in life, People have these experiences, and there's something inside of us during these difficult experiences that might turn off. Yes. You know, so yeah. maybe you were in a, maybe somebody was in a passionate relationship and. And the passion is gone. And I always ask people, well, when did that faucet turn off? You know, what was going on? What were you believing about the person, about yourself, about your relationship that turned the faucet off? And so I'm imagining that having a brother who was murdering people and the head of such an intense movement, you know, having come from counterterrorism, I'm aware that. Back when I was in that space uh, at the Pentagon, I was told in, I believe, 2012 that the number one security threat in America was neo-Nazi supremacists and not yeah. Islamic extremists. So I'm aware that the movement you're talking about with your brother is very omnipresent, in, especially in middle America, yes. um, but it's everywhere. Yeah. And so I'm so curious, you know, for him, where did the faucet turn off that inspired him to... Take, so, you know, take people's lives and go through that. And for you watching that and being in a family yeah. unit, where did your faucet turn off? Where did you close? And and I, I'm sure that these are all questions we can ask everybody, but you have some amazing points that you sent me that we could kind of talk about about how to really embrace and unlock your authentic self and so, and I'm going through this too because I think all of us grow and we shift. Yeah. And it's like what's authentic in 2018 might not be authentic in 20. Yeah. 20. So right. I'm curious right. how do we cultivate this alive relationship with our authentic self because so many of us are disconnected in today's world?
1: Yes. Well, you asked two questions here, and the first, let me address. I tend said, to well, do that. <laughs> no, it's all right. So, how do we? Where do we turn off? And you're right. There are junctures. Like for my brother, I don't know for sure, Ashley, but my my, my guess is he had a different father than I did, who was very violent, and he beat my brother and my sister. Mm. So, if you do any research on people who are on who are on death row or who do violent crimes, there's often crime in the past that has occurred that has turned turned their heart off, where they're bitter and they're hurt and they get lost in all of that. Mm. For me, what happened is everything started happening with my brother and sister, because I was really good until then. And, uh, and, but my parents were so devastated. But interestingly, what it was for me was, no one ever really gave a lot of thought to what I might be experiencing in that situation. Mm. It was like, and I've read some articles in the last few years about unacknowledged grief. That wow. it's grief taking place, but you didn't, you wouldn't typically think of to address it because their situation was so extreme. But for me, I felt abandoned. I felt like I didn't matter. I didn't know what I didn't know what my experience was because it was so powerful what I was going through. But I had no context and no support to work with it, so I just shut down. So opening back up, when you talk about well, how do I cultivate it? For me, and I think it's pretty common, in what I try to create for people, is people need a safe space to explore where they know someone's not gonna be judging them, someone doesn't have an opinion, and also someone who has an imminent faith and trust that who they are is looking for them and has a request to be found. And so for me, And you you may relate to this, but a sister organization to the University of Santa Monica was Insight Seminars. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my path started spiritually is I took a program. It was a five-day transformational experiential program called The Awakening Heart. And for some reason, Ashley, when I went in that room, I knew I was safe. And whatever I had pushed down started coming up. And there was a lot of pain, and on the second day, I stood up in front of the group, and I, I just I just, I just, just cried, and I mm-hmm. cried, and I cried. I didn't plan on that, I didn't know it would happen, but I was coming awake, I was reconnecting. Mm-hmm. And I was also astonished, because I was embarrassed, I figured people wouldn't surely want to be close to me, but I was blown away, people wanted to be close to me, they felt close to me, because I was so transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, I didn't strategize that, I was just trying to get through, but I was very thankful to have a safe space and I was very thankful to be seen. People could see my beauty and my strength and my love underneath the pain that was coming up and out.
0: Oh my gosh, and you know, I this makes me think about so many different things. Um, <laughs> just conversationally, the first thing is validation because you were saying that you know, your grief wasn't necessarily noticed because everybody right. else was so grief-stricken. And I think one of the most loving things people can do in relationships, in family, is to validate somebody else's feelings. And it's just so painful when somebody can't do that. I was in a relationship, I would say, a year ago um, with a guy where if I came to him and said, hey, I, I'm feeling sad that this happened and I don't know if you meant to do this, he would tend to deny it and say, what, you know, what are you talking about? This didn't happen or make me wrong when I felt right. that way. And obviously I left the relationship, but, um, that, that was one of the most painful experiences I ever had. Cause it was a pattern that every time I would come to him, he would deny my pain. Right. And, but I, I realized when I'm listening to you that the first step is that, we have to stop denying our own pain That's right. in order to hold space for somebody else's because yeah. why would we make spaciousness for somebody to come up to us in grief, in pain, if we are just totally um, working so hard to push down our own. So yeah. I'm curious, I mean, what does somebody do right now when they're listening and maybe they're curious because maybe they're thinking, well, I probably do have, you know, that painful experience with my sister who was homeless or my, that boyfriend who was abusive, like, you know, what is the first step of even getting into an, I mean, for you, it sounds like you got into an environment that felt safe. You want, but you wanted to start to feel, um, what about so many other people that they're open to feeling their pain? They just don't really know where to go with it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, and I really hear you and it's, there's something about The process of considering and realizing you have the choice, everyone has the choice to turn toward themselves, just turn in a compassionate way with a curiosity and say, how are you doing? I want to hear. I'm curious. I'd like to know. And I can't tell you so many people that I know that are locked away in pain or they don't know themselves. They're embarrassed to be able to share something vulnerable, thinking that they'll be judged, because of course they have been judged. Yeah. But when I ask them and I tell I say, Well, when one of your friends comes to you and they're vulnerable and they, they just they spill it out, do you feel do you feel closer to them or do you feel farther away? They go, Oh, I feel much closer. I feel they've given me a privilege to be with them while they're on that edge. And I said, Well, that's what you need to understand is you're the one that needs to give yourself that gift of an unconditioned, um, like an invitation to explore and and some of the tools to use. It's very important to use valuable tools, but a very simple one is journaling, where you sit down and you really say, I'm not going to try to be something. I'm just going to acknowledge what's present in my awareness now. And it might be 15 minutes a day. And so you write. And, and and if you don't know what you're going to write, you really allow yourself to write whatever's present at that time. Because who we are authentically is in the present. That's the only way we can be authentic. So whatever it is, even if it happens to be judging somebody else, wow, I'm judging Sarah, and I can't believe she did that, but you're – you're saying, I'm honoring whatever it is that I find, and I'm writing it because I want to learn and I want to bring compassion to my journey. So curiosity, compassion, and it actually giving yourself permission to be wherever you are. It doesn't matter if it's been pain. doesn't matter if it's evolved because you have to start where you are.
0: Gosh, you give me all the feelings. I'm thinking about I went to a, a breakfast this, well actually I went to two breakfasts and they were very different this past weekend and so I'm, I'm curious to talk about both the first one was a girl that I've never really met and um, she well we met at a, at a business networking thing and she'd asked to have coffee so I had no context on her and she started to just go on about a lot of pain she's been experiencing break, breaking up with a guy who who might be um, have a narcissist personality disorder yeah. Uh. And so I was listening to her, but by the end of the coffee, I felt really depleted because I didn't know her. We didn't have any foundation. And so I want to ask you for everybody listening about vulnerability, because there's a fine line, right, between giving yourself permission to feel an opening and what (laughs) I hate to use this reference, but it kind of felt for me as the recipient, like a drive-by shooting. Like I didn't know, I didn't know her. And we sat down and on first pass, it was like she wanted to drop in and I love to drop in and I love to hold space. And, wow. I, and I'm, I'm not afraid of my pain most of the time. So I yeah. feel my own pain and I can hold a lot for other people. But what what do you have to say, I think, for people who, uh, you know, they want to start to feel their pain. They want to start to be open, soft, vulnerable and real with people so that they can do that for themselves, do it for others uh, and start yeah. to really feel life and be connected to themselves but how do they also make a decision on who to share with? Because if I'm being as real as possible right now, it felt like yeah. too soon for her to open her life to that extent without me knowing anything about her, without us having any sort of exchange or rapport or understanding. I didn't even know what she did for work because we met at a work event. Wow. Um, so I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on like, Opening and context of when you open, because I gave her my love and I held space, but I left feeling like, wow, I'm really tired and I didn't know her. And that was really overwhelming for me. And, and I don't know if I want to make time to see this person again, even though she was really lovely because the whole two hours was about her pain. And I didn't know I was getting into that.
1: I could appreciate that. And I could appreciate the predicament that you were in because you really cared but there's something about the nature of the exchange that didn't work for you, and it also may not have helped her completely. And I, I think being discerning about who you approach when you realize that you have some healing and you have some connecting with yourself to do, it's important to be discerning. So, for example, some options. I I mentioned that I went to the Insight training seminar. So I was fortunate in that I opened up at a place where that's what the whole purpose of the process was was being real. And they were skillful and that's why they were there. They knew how to respond to me. So another option is journaling where you're turning towards yourself, where you're practicing creating a safe space. Now I'll also say, because I've been a, a therapist and a mentor for 35 years, that's the advantage of going to a place with someone who. You're paying them. They're trained. They carry love. They carry experience. They know how to hold space and they know how to help you unpack it or process it um, in a skillful way. Because unfortunately, what happens if we are not discerning, and usually we're not, she might have shared with a lot of people who might have pulled away from her and then her patterning will only just like, it'll be another instance where somebody didn't receive her.
0: Right. So it,
1: it does, it does take a recognition of, wow, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm deeply sensitive. Yes, I'm divine, but I'm also very human and I'm on a healing journey and I'm on a learning journey, but where do I actually place myself and engage that process? It's very important to choose it wisely and, having a mentor someone who knows the territory can keep from creating some of the patterns that one has had unconsciously from repeating themselves it's not about doing it quicker but it's about doing it more authentic authentically and more skillfully so somebody can actually come into who they are without wandering around for a few years i mean you probably know people too ashley who they do personal workshops for like 20 years and they're, they're as lost as they've ever been. Yeah. Um, So that's possible too. So it's, uh, it's, is the person that I'm with or the organization, the training I'm going to, do they see who I am and are they helping me with skills to facilitate my own journey while also supporting me? And I will say in the profession of counseling or therapy mentorship, even trainings, we have to be very discerning because people purport to do all kinds of things and be skillful and they're not. So it's, it's. I mean, you bring up a very important area yeah. of being discerning and who you choose to share your journey with and engage to help you in your process.
0: Yeah. I, and I I never liked this quote because it felt judgmental to me, but I think there's some truth in like the idea that not everybody has the right or deserves to hear, hear your story. And when you're in pain and you are on a healing journey, I love what you said about being discerning because I consider myself a really safe person. I'm emotionally uh, as connected as I can be. I'm always working on it and I'm committed to it. And I'm the person that a lot of friends will go to when they're in pain because they know I can hold it and I'm curious about it and I can love them through it. So I even surprised myself sitting down with somebody new. I think i just thought it would be a casual morning coffee on my way to my friend's birthday party and i would get to know somebody new so when she dropped in and went really deep i just i think i had it mentally prepared and um and and that also just contrasts with the next day i had breakfast with another friend and um but she was a dear friend and and um i had run into an ex-boyfriend of hers the day before And the issue that she had with him was that he told her he was not looking for a relationship and that was why they broke up. And Mm -hmm. when I ran into him and they had recently broken up, he was telling other people at the party he's ready for a relationship. So I had to, I felt like it was right to tell her that. And so I let her know that and she was in a lot of pain at our breakfast, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I held her in her pain and I kept reminding her because I could tell she felt bad, like she was off her center And I kept saying it's totally fine that you feel off and if you want to spend the next hour or two or three here at breakfast being off, like I love you the same, that's totally fine with me. And so it's such an interesting contrast that we can hold space for some people and then for others we can't. So I also want to flip the question and ask you, how do we be discerning not just in who we open ourselves to for our pain, but who we hold pain for? Because... I think a lot of people who are listening, they might be surrounded with people in their life that are not elevating them because maybe they're too stuck in other people's worlds and it's holding them back. You know what I mean? Maybe not, you know, you're the the average of the five people you surround yourself with. I think there's a lot of people who feel like, man, I'm surrounded with people who are in a lot of negativity. So what is that fine line of also being discerning about who you're surrounding yourself with?
1: Yes. Well... What's present for me is to share something, if I may, if I may be honest with you. I'm not meaning to process you, but I'm I'm meaning to for the purposes of our discussion.
0: Please, process away.
1: No, no, but you found yourself in this situation, and you were very uncomfortable, and it was a two-hour conversation. And so it seems to me that sometimes that happens. We find ourselves all of a sudden... We've opened a door and we feel caught, Yes. but there is an art form and a skill to being able to address that in a way that's loving, that's respectful, but also honest, like, you know, like a half an hour in. I'm not saying what you should have done. I'm just saying. No, I, think I would
0: the, love feedback. That's amazing. Yeah, there's and I think learning I
1: think- called, you know, I'm aware we've been talking for about a half an hour and I I care for you and I appreciate you being transparent but you're sharing a lot about yourself. I'm not really talking about myself. It feels a bit much for me, and I, I'm not meaning to say that you're doing anything wrong, but if we could just maybe spend a little less time together, because I don't know if I'm really up for this right now, and I want you to be able to be heard by someone who could receive you, but I wouldn't want to also be dishonest with you and pretend that it was it was working for me over here. We're getting to know each other, and you're sharing you, I need to share me, and risking that
0: holy shit <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the risk is and of course the risk and why you maybe didn't do it is because you care and you don't want the person on top of what uh, they're going through to feel rejected well but yes if you feel like you're trapped and you can't be yourself because you don't want to hurt someone that's that's a pattern in and of itself yes it needs to not be perpetuated in your life
0: U-Turners. So sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Career Clarity Lab, the online course to help you find your career purpose in the workforce and upgrade your confidence. So if you're ready to unlock the best career path for you and you'd like to try a free version of our Clarity course, just head on over to u turnpodcastscom slash clarity. That's Y-O-U. T U R N podcast.com slash clarity. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I honestly am the most open book, especially on this podcast, because this, this, these conversations are my biggest passion project I've ever had in my career. So for me, I'm just as open as it can get. And so I love that you're pointing it out. Yeah, I, I, the fun. Here's what I've been um, struggling with. That I think a lot of people listening. So. I am. I own a PR firm called Cake Publishing. It's a ghostwriting house. I'm good at yeah. words and I manage yeah. writers, copywriters, and publicists all day. Yeah. So, what I've learned to master is how to communicate. So, I could have spoken up where, you know, and there's a lot of context. She's a part of a, a group of girls that I know really well. So, I, I had some stories in my head about, oh my gosh, I think I need to be here for this whole time because I don't want to rock my entire friend group. And I had all of this these stories. Yeah. So, we could totally go there. But what I want to ask you. That has been so present for me. And I think a lot of people listening might not even realize that they're doing this and how much it could be hurting their soul Mm -hmm. is I've become masterful at communication. And I know a lot of people, if you're listening now, maybe you struggle with setting boundaries. And and it's ironic that I'm telling you that right after I'm saying I couldn't set a boundary with this woman. (laughs) Typically... I'm pretty good at being like, hey, this isn't for me or, you know, however I can gracefully speak up if I have a demanding client that is asking for things outside of the scope of a PR contract, stuff like that. I know how to speak up. Um, But what I'm not able to do yet is I am able to write the perfect boundary setting, beautiful email, but energetically I feel like rage, you know, like get off of me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like this, like my inner child, like this little, Girl inside of me is like throwing a tantrum and she wants to be left alone. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm and I think that it's so hurtful for my soul because I'm able to communicate beautifully. So if people just read the words or I he- they hear my words, I'm gonna sound really professional and calm mm-hmm. and centered and insightful and boundaried and powerful. But when I walk away, I feel like I wanna go ape shit, you know? Like I'm like, ah, yeah. get off of me. And so I'm so curious um, for so many people, you know, it's an art in and of itself, and I'll acknowledge myself for being a good communicator on a verbal level, but I know that the the real art is in full embodiment, being able to communicate it and energetically do the work where my communication is coming from that grounded, centered energy so that there's no disconnect from the words and the energy they're riding on.
1: Yes, and I, you know, one, I just really appreciate your willingness to say, this is one of my edges, and, it, and I'm still working at it, and it's not easy, and here's what comes up for me. I really appreciate how transparent you are. And Thank you. In listening to you, and by the way, I didn't mean to imply that you should have said anything to her. It just stood out that you felt caught to me.
0: Yeah, I think I should have. I just didn't know how to do it, and it kind of just got slippery. But, yeah, no, I, in retrospect, like, my tank was very empty by the time I left. And yeah, yeah. Um, what, but what, what do you have to say for people who are? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, let me say, because what I would say relative to you that I think is is relative to because we're using your example, but the listeners have their own example. Right. In your example, what, what you're telling me additional information like, well, I've got somebody in here who gets absolutely bloody irritated and angry and overwhelmed with an intense feeling and so what i would say is it sounds like that woman despite whatever she did and how it came down that encounter triggered something inside of you of a younger place that's upset and to the degree that you can go wow i have something that is out of balance inside and I would say it was out of balance before you had the conversation with her. Oh, I
0: didn't really come up with her. With her, I was just tired and like neutru- uh, neutrally I okay. left and was like, oh, I, I don't I don't know if I can see her again. I feel really tired. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, maybe I just I had a glass of wine last night. Maybe it's making me tired. But then I saw Libby who, who introduced us and uh, yeah. some other girlfriends and I got a ton of energy. And yeah. was like, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't the glass of wine last night. It was just that conversation with that, per- that new person that I yeah. got really tired. But, no, I would say it's more um, like anybody listening. Maybe they have a boss who they have to be professional with. And yeah. so on the outside, they're like, no problem. I'm happy to do that. Or maybe they're bold and they're setting a boundary and telling their boss, no problem. I'm happy to do that. However, you know, whatever boundary they want to set with their boss. But on the inside, they're like, right. you know, right. fuck you. Like, whatever it is. And I feel that often, I think, both in business and in romantic relationships with dating, where men will do something and I'll be like, no problem. And I'm smiling and I'm so, you know, wonderful. But on the inside, I'll talk to my friends and they're like, how's it going with him? And I'm like, oh you know can't believe this guy or like, well, and, you know yeah. and they're like did you tell him and i'm like no i was really fucking lovely if i'm being honest yeah and i i want to be fully embodied and i want everybody listening to have a bridge between the words they say and the energy they're saying it from versus that being two separate universes so You know, when it comes to authenticity for anybody listening, whether they have that romantic partner that's really pissing them off, but they're being really easygoing verbally and on the outside with them, even though on the inside they're feeling crushed. Or that boss, or in my case, that client who pushes the boundaries, and I have to remind them of our contract, and I'm very professional in how I remind them of it, but on the inside, I'm like, how can you keep asking me this? So how do we get more embodied and feel more centered because I don't, I don't want to feel that in my, in my body. I want to feel yeah. loving all the time.
1: Well, I hear you. And, and, I'm, and I, I think you're, you're acknowledging that you, we all have different aspects inside. And sometimes we've got some aspect that's 180 degrees from another aspect. And so when the intensity of emotion comes up, let me tell you a recent experience from my own healing journey where I worked with this in a particular way. And it has a tool that your listeners can use. So I was traveling with a friend up to Big Sur, and we were, we're at Nepenthe Inn, which is a beautiful inn on the Big Sur coastline. It's just, it's heaven whenever I'm able to go there. I love it. And we're in a restaurant, Nepenthe Inn, and the the waitress happened to be really into suggestive selling, where she says, well, do you want this, and do you want to get a drink, and do you want to get mushroom, do you want to get this, because... <laughs> You know, it it builds the bill and she gets a bigger tip. And so I recognized it, but some part of me was really irritated by it. I felt like it was ruining the time that I had up there. Yeah. And I really, I I was plugged in. So when I drove, but but I was was nice to the waitress, but I could tell I was plugged in. It was like, God damn it, what the hell?
0: Are you kidding me? (laughs) Stop telling me to have the truffle fries.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but as I drove away, Cause it's easy to make it about her. I went, man, my curriculum is right now. My school is in session and somebody inside of me is very upset. So my friend and I, she's also a USM graduate. We've known each other for a long time. And I said, can you just hold with me while I give this place a voice that's upset and it needs to, I need to honor this voice. I wish it wasn't here, but it is here and it's, it's a part of my process. And so I started really uh, speaking from that voice and that voice while I was talking about how upset I was, it flashed back into a memory where my brother was abusing me. It was Mm. a memory I had never even remembered before. And it was Mm. very disturbing because he was violating my space Mm. and I just cried and I cried. And then that night when we got to a hotel, there was I had a dream and I was disturbed. So there was more material coming up inside that had been provoked by this encounter with the waitress mm-hmm. so that morning i said can i talk again yes i start talking and all of a sudden as i got my eyes closed and i'm upset and i'm talking about this dream i have this image that i'm in a dungeon now i don't know if this happened or not ashley And in, in a way it doesn't matter i needed to follow and honor my process so i was in a dungeon and in in that experience that i was tuning into I was, I was tortured from time to time and I was, the harrowing part wasn't when I was physically tortured, it was not knowing when they would come. And it was like I cried and I cried. Now I will tell you, I had so much compassion for the young boy that got abused by his brother and then I had compassion for the part of me that had a memory or a previous life, it doesn't matter, but it was a real experience and so much light and, confu- and compassion went into those dim- tender places. I grew up a great deal. I embodied more into my compassion and my strength because I gave myself permission to trust my authentic process yes. and stay with myself.
0: Wow, what a beautiful story. And this just totally gives me so much to talk to you about. It reminds me of my friend's parents. They were in the process of on the path to divorce and they were painting their new house and they were screaming about the paint color. And my friend was like, man, they just can't get over this damn paint color. And I looked at her and I said, it's not about the paint. Right. And with you and with me and with everybody listening, because I know this is really deep work, what you're sharing. And some of, um, some of everyone who's listening, I'm sure not everyone has gone through like this level of self inquiry in doing the work, but, For those of you listening, what he's really saying is that if something disturbs your peace, so in his case, it was the waitress that was trying to upsell all the time. And so what started with some, you know, truffle French fries or guacamole ended with bad dreams and a crying trauma about your brother abusing you. But this is really real. This is really what's closer to truth and reality.
1: This was my healing journey. This was groundbreaking. Totally. I mean, I, 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 I came into my body with a level of strength and compassion such that I, and I realized, wow, I'm a really sensitive person and that's to be honored and to be paid attention to. And that's just the truth of the matter.
0: Yeah. And this reminds me of David Hawkins book, talk, letting go for those of you listening, what a beautiful book about like, he argues that we are walking around the planet, suppressing our pain and that we're shopping for opportunities to air some of it out. So in your case, um, we'll call it a shop opportunity. <laughs> you found with this waitress to air out yes. some of this pain. And because you're conscious, you were willing to look at it and grow and use it for your own ascension. And I think right. it's the case with. Um, You know my recent experiences with clients that I've had over at Cake Publishing and we have a lot of really awesome clients, but every now and again there's somebody who wants a lot more out of the contract than the paperwork stipulates. They want a ton of my time and my little girl inside is screaming because she feels spread thin, she feels tired, she doesn't, you know, she feels like it's never enough, like she's fulfilling on the job, but the person wants even more and um, that is the opportunity, I think, think, Gavin, like what you're sharing is when I feel this rage inside of me in my, in my own human experience, it's so human, you called it curriculum, which I don't know if everybody listening has heard that. But um, one of the concepts that I learned at University of Santa Monica in my spiritual psychology degree is that everybody is on their own soul curriculum, meaning that there are lessons that we're here to learn. And so part of your curriculum, Gavin, sounds like it is to release and heal from the trauma and pain that you experienced with your brother. And thank God for this waitress who um, gave you some sort of pain to help you look at it. And in Uh. my case, thank God for these clients who over ask in my experience and trigger this part of me that feels like nothing's ever enough. And and if I'm willing to do the work and pull out a journal and give this part of me a voice that says, I'm never enough, right. nothing's ever enough. And if I follow that and I, I go into memories of That's right. when have I felt this before, what does this have to do with? And I get out of my mind and into my heart and into my pain, usually a memory will come up. And I already am thinking about some, um, you know, where I just felt like I was never enough as, a kid and it's just coming out with clients who are asking me and the more compassionate we can be the more loving we could be with ourselves the more we can really use all of these tiny moments like the waitress who's upselling or the client who over asks or the boss who wants more of you or the boyfriend who um, isn't paying attention to you and bringing up something for you we can use these moments as opportunities for our own growth and ascension so wow thank you so much for that and
1: And I want to say, if I can, the arena of intimate relationship is by far one of the most powerful arenas where these unconscious energies and patterns get triggered. Because we care so much and we're open-hearted, the relationship, yes, it's for joy and for companionship, but an intimate relationship by its nature and design will trigger each partner's unresolved unconscious issues. Now if they both understand that and they know that's the nature of the game instead of like, wow, I'm upset with my boyfriend, something's wrong. No, you're upset with your boyfriend. But if the boyfriend can realize my my partner's going to get upset from time to time, but if the partner let's say let's say if you're upset with your boyfriend about something he did, you're triggered by something. So you go, you know what? My school is in session. I don't like this. I'm out of balance. Can you hold while I just, like I did with that woman that was I was traveling with, can you just hold while I just give this a voice and let it come out and I discover things because it's, it's here right now. It's raw.
0: Well, and I want to I- get you here because this is important for people to realize, and I think you're offering a tool that might not be clear, and it's that you can give whatever um, darkness, anger, trigger, irritability, pain, a voice. That's right. So that's definitely a tool that I can hear you offering. So anybody listening, this is a great first step is when you're freaking out inside um, to, to figure out what is the emotion that's present is it pain anger rage fear and give it a voice and I love Gavin how you're verbally giving it a voice and maybe somebody who's listening if they feel private they can give it a voice on journal and right. what it really looks like is just figuring out what aspect is present anger pain sadness sorrow and writing from that voice or if you have somebody you feel safe with speaking from that voice to figure out what is subconsciously here what, what information or what beliefs am I holding that I'm not even seeing. And usually when you go directly into that voice, you can see them. Sorry for the interruption, but yes, go
1: ahead. No, that's okay. And to to do the giving in a voice, often the biggest hurdle is to get past a trained habit of judging ourselves for our experience, where we say, this this shouldn't be here. Uh, I'm not okay that this is here, this is wrong. If you're having an experience, it's sacred. It doesn't matter what it is. And it needs to be honored and paid attention to because it's an opportunity for self-discovery and self-knowledge. And so, let's say, going back to our example, so the boyfriend goes, yes, I can hold, particularly if you're not gonna just go off on me, I'll hold, and uh, and then, you know, there can be be healing. Now, you know, you might then go back to the boyfriend and say, you know, I do have a request that when we go out to dinner, if, if you're gonna be really late, that you call me, you don't just show up late, but still, What the work was about was the part that got disturbed in an excessive way by a particular behavior or circumstance. Then you know that your peace is disturbed and there's an opportunity for healing. And if both partners are are in that game, I have to tell you, it's one of the most intimate, vulnerable, rich territory. And it leads to the most wonderful sexual expression and making love that I can imagine.
0: Yeah, just connection, pure connection and understanding. Because it's real. And, and so what other tools can you suggest? I mean, giving something a voice, journaling it out, just speaking from it to somebody you feel safe with, um, realizing that moments that trigger you are just opportunities to go deeper with yourself and not blame, you know, that contract or that client or that boss or that waitress. But what other tools can you suggest that bring people more back into who they are and into a healing opportunity?
1: Let me bring up a tool that's present for me now that, pe- that, that people can use when they're in an intimate relationship. Yes. If they're, if they're courageous and they love each other a lot, the most healthy thing, and this is a, a similar, it builds on what I just spoke about, but it would be where you sit across from each other and you look at each other in the eyes and you just stay with looking at each other's eyes because you love each other. This is sacred. And so, Uh, One person at a time, one partner at a time, takes five minutes. And here's what they do. And there's a sentence that I'm going to say that the partner A would use. I am the one who. And so let's say it's partner A is me. I I would go, I am the one who. And this is while I'm looking at at my wife Johanna's eyes. I am the one who is a little nervous, not quite sure what's present for me. And then you let that go. And you start the sentence again. You don't take a story and build it. You go, I am, the one who, I am the one who feels anxious in my body. I am the one that remembers that I was harsh with you this morning when we got out of bed. And I, I forgot to apologize. And I'm sorry. You let that go. You go to the next. So you keep staying with your present awareness that's helped. You can stay connected with it because you're using a sentence that leads you right to what the present awareness is. But you're not going to get invested in the story. You let it go and go to the next. So you keep dropping down into discovering what it is you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And you take five minutes. Then your partner does the same. So it, you're both discovering what you're, what's present for you and your awareness. You're sharing it real as it's happening. And when it really works is you're really willing to risk saying things that you don't know how your partner is going to respond. But... But the nature of the exercise is I want to share what's most alive in me. If it's painful, if it's critical, if it's loving, it's there's no conditions on it. It's whatever is present right when you finish that sentence. And there's a deepening that comes with that. So then in a way, you start using the relationship as a spiritual and psychological practice.
0: And I mean, I think that that, that exercise is... Really incredible just to be with yourself and figure out how are you identifying in the world. Because if I ask myself, who am I? It's like I'm the one who is spread really thin right now and hasn't gotten enough sleep. You know, it's like I can look at myself and have so many different ways and labels and identities that I could describe myself as um, really beautiful to get more centered. Yeah.
1: And actually, that's right. It's the same thing. You could sit down if you're out of balance or you don't know what's going on. You could put one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly and you start saying and you don't you don't have to figure anything out. You say, I'm the one who and you start off with layers and there's layers and we have so many dimensions. We're intricate, but it's a simple process. And I love that you mentioned that, yes, you can do it with yourself and just travel down to wherever you are.
0: Yes, exactly. So wonderful. And um, as far as, you know, surrendering to lead with your authentic self, I think we live in a world where it's, it's tempting to be somebody else, to fit in, to not rock the boat. How do you suggest somebody gets a little closer to removing those veils and surrendering, especially if they've built a life that is out of integrity with who they are. Because I think a lot of people listening might be stuck in a career, a relationship, a friend group that doesn't really line up with who they actually are. And it's probably really painful if they're listening right now to think, yeah, dang, I, I don't even like this job and I don't even like my friends or I don't even love my partner, like I'm I'm not even in the right relationship, it can be overwhelming to actually demand and call yourself forward to really be you. So what are some steps somebody can take to surrender into their authentic, true self?
1: Well, one is to realize that we each are incredibly unique. We each have a unique constellation of presence, gifts, life journey. There's no one like us. There's just no one. And really most people are involved in comparison and then judging themselves but there's no one like us there's comparison is a completely invalidating false way of proceeding in life so one is that we're unique Two, we each have gifts that we've been given our constellation of gifts that's just how it is it's it's like the design so what i would say is that pay attention To one, pay attention to your prayers. Pay attention to what is delicious, what delights you, what stirs you. And it may be you happen to like to go see Star Wars movies and there's something about Princess Leia. And I go, be curious about whatever starts to stir you in a deeper way. Because you're looking for, in the authentic self, you're looking for the dimension of depth. So what is it? And make it okay, whatever it is. It could be that you're really, really drawn to attractive women. And so, I mean, I know someone that has a blog that's, you know, worldwide successful. They photograph beautiful women because that's a compelling aesthetic for them. It's wonderful. So, you know, so ask yourself, what do I find that's delicious? What Mm. is it that just turns me on? And start to follow those roads inside. That tributary will take you to the ocean because you'll come more and more alive
0: wonderful wonderful well this has just been such an incredible conversation and i know it's going to open up a lot for people where can everybody find you uh if they want to learn more
1: thank you my website i've been doing you know therapeutic transformational work mentoring for 35 years i'm at gavin james fry gavin james and then f-r-y-e is in the boots (laughs) gavinjamesfry.com and uh People can learn about the work that I do, some of my background. Um, And I talk a little bit about my perspective on living and and authentic living. Um, My phone number, if if someone just listens to this and would like to call, is 805-320-1224. Or my email is gavin at gavinfry.com.
0: Well, God bless that. I mean, I'm sending this out to about a half million people, so your phone might be ringing.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I'm just grateful. You know, I must say, and I say this to my clients all the time, because you know, I don't, I, I, I'm embarrassed by how people describe me at times and what their experiences of me. I'm just being me, and I really am astonished at what I'm able to contribute to people's lives. But it's so clear to me, Ashley, that anybody I work with, nothing would be happening if I were there by myself. It's a collaborative affair. And it's us, it's us work. And it's a privilege to engage with someone when they're sincere. The key is being sincere in your intent to know yourself in a deeper way and bring that forward.
0: Yes, it's so beautiful. And thank you. And one final question is, what is your favorite book um, that you could recommend to everybody listening? Because I know some people might have listened and want to just take it deeper to start on their own healing journey into their authentic selves.
1: Oh, ah, gosh, favorite. That's really hard. Um, Thomas Moore writes a book called Care of the Soul, in which he really creates a permission and a context that we are the most spectacular inside. Whether we know it or not is, is not the issue. We are. And if we start to take an orientation, I heard a phrase once, that you are the spiritual being you've been looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's just true. So the key is to turn around and go, okay, if that's true for me, I'm really open to discover that. Mm -hmm. And that book is a really, it's a very healing, invitational uh, context.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Gavin. Thanks again for a good conversation, and thanks again for coming on the show. Hey guys, it's Ash here, just reflecting on the episode with Gavin Fry, and it's so interesting to talk to him because a ton of my girlfriends, uh, use him as a therapist. And, um, I, I wasn't called to work with him because he was really involved in University of Santa Monica, which is where I got my master's in spiritual psychology. And so there's some part of me that thought, you know what? I gotta know a lot of the way he works or how he approaches things because for two years in my master's program, he was very involved in that curriculum. But, I got a lot out of just listening to this episode again after doing it because I'm recording this conversation and these reflections way later (laughs) than when I recorded the episode. And so I gave myself another listen and I was really moved to share a quote with you by Confucius. And he said, we have two lives. The second one begins when we realize we only have one. So just to repeat that again, Confucius says, we have two lives. And the second one begins when we realize we actually only have one. And this has meant so much to me lately. I had such a breakdown, such an emotional experience and breakthrough recently. Um, A friend of mine invited me to her house in Colorado along with five other women that I really love. And it was such an interesting experience to go out there um Alyssa, Alyssa Nobrega who is on another U-turn podcast episode. Great episode if you haven't listened to her. Such a beautiful person and also my bet one of my best friends. Um she did a breathwork exercise and I don't know if you've ever done breathwork, but my friend Sam Skelly has a breathwork company called Pause if you haven't. And it's a really powerful way to heal anxiety awaken to different trauma release trauma and have breakthroughs honestly and just like one minute into Alyssa facilitating a breath work I had a thought um, about my new relationship I'm I'm with someone new and I totally love him and the thought was oh my god I'm scared of him like I love him so much I don't want to let him I don't want to let him go I don't want to lose him and then I followed that thread of fear and it led me to this thought of oh my god I'm scared to be me And that was really deep because I was like, what the fuck? Like, why am I scared to be me? And I realized that there have been so many transitions that have happened in my life. The first one, I mean, there's so many, but ones that stand out in my memory are going from being an underpaid admin assistant and making minimum wage to moving to DC and getting that awesome job at the Pentagon only to realize that that's not the career for me. And then from there, another moment that stands out to me was leaving DC, getting the courage to leave that career that I worked probably 10 years of my education on, learned foreign languages, did all the stuff, and then moved home to LA and didn't really know what I was going to do with my life next. And the next transition was becoming a career coach. And I promise you I'm getting somewhere with this. And over the years, something about, you know, nurturing my email list um, something about selling e-courses, something about being a businesswoman in that way hasn't resonated. And all my girlfriends have these seven and eight-figure coaching businesses, and I've been one of them. And they're all really excited about it, most of them. And there's a lot of steps that you can take, and I totally know the steps. I know the steps that I need to do if I want to have a seven or eight-figure coaching business. And I fully believe that if I did them, which I know how to do, that I could create that result. And I love the e-courses that I have, the Job Offer Academy, the Career Clarity Lab, my business launch course, but I don't feel called to create any more courses and I don't feel called to host a bunch of masterminds. And maybe that will change. Um, But I've noticed over the years that it's becoming more and more painful when I hear my friends talk about it because the achiever in me wants to go out and do those things and knows how to go check the boxes. But one thing I've learned, and here's my powerful message for you, is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because I can sell out a bunch of masterminds and scale a bunch of e-courses and do a bunch of paid advertising and nurture my email list and sell courses to my list, just because I can, doesn't mean I should. And I think a lot of people get stuck in their career because they think, well, I can do this and the achiever in them goes out and reaches all these goals without thinking, is this a goal that I actually want? And eventually, if you haven't gotten here, I promise you I've gotten there, you reach the goal. It doesn't feel so good. And then you kind of have a meltdown. And if you haven't heard me say this before, um, in another episode, I talked about how we're not chasing goals. We're often just chasing how we think the goal is going to make us feel. And that's why all these celebrities reach what looks like the top of the top. And then they have a breakdown because the goal doesn't feel like how they thought it would. Um, And so... I'm doing this breath work and I'm thinking about all my transitions. And I was just thinking about how one of my girlfriends was saying that she wants to buy my email list from me and she has a really cool company. And in order for her to buy my email list, she would have to buy my entire company. And it was just another, and I felt totally open to that. And I feel so attached to U-Turn podcast. I feel so attached to my book. I feel so attached to my coaching practice, but I don't feel attached to my email list. Like I feel like I built a a huge email list through my job hunting course. And I don't know, I, I just kind of, when I really asked myself who I am, and this was kind of the breakthrough I had during the breath work, I realized I'm a creative. I'm not really a businesswoman. I'm a creative, artistic person that happens to have a lot of business skills. And in the breath work, when I realized that, I went through so much grief. I grieved the fact that I don't want to be the coach that does the masterminds and the email list and the new e-course and the program launches, even though I know how to do it, which makes it even more painful. I know how to do it and I'm choosing not to. And so I had to grieve that. And in the middle of the breath work, I started crying and sobbing. And next to me was Natalie Ellis, the founder of Boss Babe, and just a really fucking amazing human. Like, if you guys don't follow Boss Babe, she's so great. And I just turned to her and she held me and I cried like a little girl and she didn't need me to explain. And I did the breath work and I cried and I was just grieving my old self, grieving that pair of pants that fit me, that don't fit me anymore, that pair of pants being that businesswoman that I used to f- find the fun in, the email lists, the e-courses, the program launches, grieving that I don't want to do that anymore, that that pair of pants doesn't fit me anymore and that who I am now isn't that girl. And then the other grief was around accepting who I am now. And I think this is such an invitation for you. So I grieved that just because I can doesn't mean I should do all of these things. And I grieved that at one point or another, that felt good for me and it doesn't anymore. And then I also sat in the truth that when I really face who I am, I know myself, what I know to be true is I feel like I'm a creative human being, I'm an artist, and when I really open up the door to all the artistic things I want to create in the world, those things really are a poetry book, a collection of 99 poems to bring you home to yourself, a meditation series that I want to put on Insight Timer app of uh, different poems. Um, And messages that I have with my voice, with song behind them, with meditative music behind them. Um, When I really connect to myself, I think it would be really fun to create a collection of greeting cards. And it's so intimidating. You know, it's so intimidating to really be who I am in a world where I know how to do the steps and achieve the things. And I'm scared to just go be me really. Because me really might not be that seven-figure entrepreneur, but I also believe that I'm that artist that happens to have business skills and that I can get whatever I want to get out there. And so after that breath work, it was so interesting. I noticed that I almost felt like my friend, I had a friend in high school who came out of the closet. She was gay for years and she was scared to admit it. I almost felt like I related to her. Um, with saying to you right now, like, I'm an artist. I don't even know. You know, I know how to do business, but I don't know if I identify as a businesswoman. And when I really connect to that, it almost felt like I feel like that person coming out of the closet to homophobic parents. Like, that's how I feel with the world. And I have all these editors emailing me at Hey House and all of the other editors that I almost had buy my book and give me my book deal saying, hey, what's your next book? And After these tears, and I feel them now, after these tears, I just got the courage to email them back and say, hey, I don't know if I'm going to do another career book or self-help book. I actually think I'm going to do a collection of 99 poems. Let me know if you're interested. And that email was one of the most vulnerable emails I've ever sent before because it was really me saying, this is me. Are you interested? Is this something you'd be interested in investing in? And being able to send that email after I cried, after I accepted myself in that breathwork ceremony with Alyssa and Natalie, being able to say, and if they don't want this, I'm going to self-publish it. I'm going to get it out there. And I'm going to keep doing me until something hits. Because the only alternative... Is not being me. And whether that means making a ton of money, whether that means, and I do believe fully that I can make a lot of money and be myself, but it feels scarier when you're accepting a creative path and you're kind of divorcing yourself from the steps and the tactics that you know you can use for something else. You know, in my case, e courses and coaching, I totally get that world. And it really is a bunch of steps. And those of you coaches who are listening, I am telling you right now, coaching is a step by step formula and courses are and once you learn it business becomes super easy um but i don't want to give my life and time to that and so my question for you in the wake of this conversation with gavin and in the wake of this quote from confucius is if you have two lives and the second one begins when you realize you only have one i really think in that breathwork ceremony i really realized wow I'm not like my friends who want to use their email list to get bigger and want to build their Instagram even more. I'm a creative and I just want to make art in the world. And if that's true, then kind of like Confucius says, I realize now that my life, I only have one. So my second life has just begun now where I realize this. And I want to invite you now where if you have two lives and your second one begins when you realize you only have one then what do you wanna use with the, your time to do? How do you wanna use this precious life of yours? Who are you really? Who are you hiding in the closet? Just like my artist has been hiding in the closet and I've been serenading everybody as a businesswoman when really I'm an artist. I'm more of a Shell Silverstein than I am a Sheryl Sandberg and I'm totally excited about that. So who's hiding inside of you and where can you pull down your armor and be yourself? All right, I know I was all over the place with this. Can't wait to hear what you think. Hope this was helpful to you. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you so much for taking the time to go on your podcast app on your iPhone to type the writer review or to touch the writer review button and give me a handwritten review. It means the world. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing this on the Instagram. You mean so much to me and I love hearing from you. So DM me, is there a guest you want me to bring on? Um, we have a few guests coming up because some of you had recommended them. Um, I hear you. I, I consider everything you say. If you have a guest on your heart that you really think would serve, you, uh, let me know because the podcast has been getting enough momentum, getting enough downloads where uh, a lot of incredible authors and researchers and leaders are responding to me and willing to come on the show. So you let me know. I'm just a vessel for you. Thank you so much for listening.